I think people assume that I've figured something out and had some master plan to develop this and that wasn't actually the case. And so my first piece of advice is like, there is no secret. What's happening? What's good though? It's your boy. Hi Drift. How are you doing today? And if you're new to the show, welcome. This podcast is all about upping your pizza game. Today's episode is with Ben Berman over at Good Pizza PHL. Ben is a B-School student, consultant, and all-around great person, giving away free pizza and raising money for the causes that mean most to him. In this episode, he consults me on how I can replicate something similar in my city, and it's a great segment. We also talk about some of the challenges he faces as a student and as a home baker, and he even gives some pretty useful solutions that I laugh now and you'll get why later, Um, but seriously, hear him out. This is a great episode, so sit back, relax, and enjoy the show, and remember to always ask. What's good, though? Oh, and before I forget, these podcasts, some of them at least, are now on YouTube. Yeah! If you'd rather check out the conversation in video form, go ahead and check out the links in the show notes, and it'll take you straight to the channel. Also, this is going to be one of three episodes in this pizza-packed three-day pizza party weekend, so... Make sure to check out yesterday's episode with Alessio, and we'll have another episode for you tomorrow. I hope you all enjoy it. I also want to take the time to announce that I am part of the group of pizzaiolos who will be raising dollars for food insecurity by selling and or giving away pizza. Thanks to PDX Doughboy and a couple of other pizzaiolos, we are making this happen, and I will be doing a pizza giveaway on the last Saturday of the month. Make sure to check me out on Instagram to get more details on how to sign up for that. And if you're not local, go ahead and check out how you can get involved by making a donation or go ahead and just raise some money yourself. We'd love for you to join us. Other than that, this is a great episode. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. And remember to always ask, What's good, though? Ben, thank you so much for joining me today. How are you? Thank you so much for having me. Psyched to be here. I'm doing great. How are you? Awesome. Thank you so much for asking. First question for you. There's no right or wrong answer. What's good, though? (laughs) There's been a lot of dough in my life recently, more than I expected to be a part of my graduate school experience. And it's been a really fun, exciting, crazy, exhausting few months here, uh, trying to build something and giving back a little bit. I love that. That build something is resonating with me a lot lately. Um, what are you trying to build? Yeah, it's a good question. I, as people might know, I'm a graduate student, a full-time graduate student, 
but I've always loved to cook and have some experience in kitchens. And when I got to graduate school, I had a goal of cooking more because I was on the road all the time for my job before school. I pretty quickly got into pizza as a challenge to myself in the kitchen. I was just so obsessed pretty quickly with all of the variables that go into making good pizza, especially at home. And so I made pizza all year long and you know, had friends over for dinner. And then the pandemic started in March and I had a big batch of dough ready to make for friends. It was sort of that week that we didn't really know what was happening yet, but we did know that it was a bad idea to have a bunch of friends over for an indoor dinner party. And so I bought 40 feet of string on Amazon. And I told my friends that if they came by my apartment, I would lower them pizza out my second story window to them on the street. And it was nothing more than a chance to make my friend smile and get rid of the dough that I couldn't eat all on my own. And it grew from there into this effort for charitable giving and strengthening my community that now encompasses weekly pizza drops. I've made about 500 pizzas so far, and I've raised a little over $60,000 for local charities. And I'm guessing the thing that you're trying to build is a continuation of that. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think there are a bunch of ideas in my head about how it grows potentially. But, you know, when I think about what's happening now and what's happened over the last really three months, which is when it sort of started to become something, it was just about putting those guardrails in place to not only protect myself, but also grow this idea a little bit, you know, reach out to more folks who hear about us, work with brands who were excited to support us in a bunch of different ways, make more pizza in a more streamlined manner. So yes, there's a future looking building piece of it, but there's also just a, oh, this is a good thing that's happening here piece of it. And I want to build something that is making people smile and giving back a little bit. You're making me smile right now, just thinking about the amazing work that you're doing. When I think about, yeah, when I think about the people, the one or two people that give me a comment on Instagram saying that I make them feel happy on a Friday release or when it comes down to my pizza, I feel great. And I can only imagine what you're feeling. Yeah, that part of it has been crazy because I never meant to put myself in the middle of the story, but it, but the story needs someone in the middle of it, right? Like it needs a face to it. And so that's always sort of this awkward, sometimes uncomfortable position for me to be in. And yet at the same time, I'm so incredibly proud of the brand and sort of the good that I've been able to do from this platform. And that's more how I think about it. But to your point about the nice comments, one of the most inspiring pieces of all of this has just been people's reaction to it. And, you know, I've had people sort of laugh and say, it's not often that the internet comment section, you know, gets, gets nice that they're, that they're kind. (laughs) And I think one of the things I'm proud of is that it seems like this is something that everyone wants to get behind. And so even when it feels slightly uncomfortable for me to be the face of that, I'm also just so humbled by that opportunity and the platform that has begun to grow here. 
it's funny that you mentioned that because that's actually one of the questions that I had for you. All of the greats, Tony Gimignani, John Arena, they run restaurants and they make amazing pizza, obviously subject to a person's taste. Some people have good days in the restaurant. Some people have just bad days and customers are always going to leave a crappy one-star comment or whatever. You are running such an amazing operation, something that's so giving. Have you even gotten a bad review for giving away free pizza? Just strictly on the pizza. Not on the pizza yet. But what I will say is that I think that's much less a testament to the pizza than it is to the spirit of what's happening here. <laughs> so, you know, when you mention those names, I think one of the other reasons I sometimes get uncomfortable is because as a, as a pizza maker, I still see myself very much as this like struggling at home every morning. I'm terrified. I mess something up and I still idolize all these people that are running, you know, single restaurants or pizza empires who it just make it look so easy. And they're making this product that I just aspire to be able to create. And so I think my quote customers have also fortunately separated me, the pizza maker from me, the person trying to make things a little bit brighter in the city. <laughs> and therefore I think I'm given a little bit of the benefit of the doubt on the pizza standpoint. People seem to be slightly more interested in, you know, the drop out to them. And then the fact that we're giving all the proceeds away and then like, Oh, the pizza is actually really good. Like this is so great. <laughs> but the expectations weren't necessarily for the best pizza in the world. I think it's really good, but I, you know, it's like, there's a, there's a bit of a disconnect there. <laughs> I'm glad because there is no room for negativity in what you're doing. <laughs> Thanks. Earlier you said, um, you're setting up guardrails to protect yourself. Can we go a little deeper on that? What, what do you mean by that? Yeah, sure. I think as anyone who has created something, anything knows, um, it can start to feel all consuming at times. And I also, I think have a personal tendency towards always keeping the pedal down and know that that can be unhealthy at times. And so me, for me, the guardrails right now include, you know, when it first started to get popular, I just wanted to take advantage of that. And I wanted to just make pizza all the time. It was like, anytime I had a free day, I was just going to do a pizza drop because I just wanted to feed people and do this. And you realize how quickly you get exhausted by that. And so for instance, one of the guardrails is it's only Sunday nights and this weekend I need a week off and I want to watch the Super Bowl. And so there's no pizza drop. And I'll be back next week, but I'm making it all in my apartment. And just the fact that I have a clean fridge this week is making my life so much better, right? Like there are guardrails like that that give me some sense of normalcy again, because this has been so crazy. And because I don't think people always know how much effort goes into it and how much I care about it all. And, and therefore I'm thinking about it. So similarly, it takes a lot of time to respond to people's Instagram messages and make sure that you're responding to comments and finding something to post every day. And that social media part doesn't necessarily come as naturally to me. And I still am making sure that I respond to everyone, but I've been better at setting those guardrails to carve out time for it and not doing it consistently 
as they come in. And so sometimes people don't get a response for two days, but it's just because that was the time that I carved out the time. And so it's guardrails like that, that help me compartmentalize what's happening here a little bit and give me a little bit more freedom and flexibility in my personal life to continue to feel joy from what I'm doing rather than feeling burnt out by it at times. The way you describe what you're doing, is it safe to assume that you are still a solo person operation? Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, uh, there. I can only imagine you have a lot to do and I think it's super important for you to set some time to respond to comments and kind of batch them together, batch the emails, yeah. batch the website. But I do see that you're getting some help um, with people giving away some stuff so you can count them um, as some of your teammates, your website, some product, right? Talk to me about yeah. that. Yeah, totally. From a financial standpoint, that's made a huge difference. One of the things that I've always cared about for this operation is that pizza is free. That's important to me because I think it just displays the effort here that it's, there's no sort of selfish means to it. And it is about turning a hobby that I really love into something that hopefully brightens the community a little bit. And so I've always paid for all of the pizza ingredients and supplies out of my own pocket. And I've been absolutely honored to be able to do that. But more recently, some brands have started to get involved, not only to support my pizza making activities by providing in-kind donations like flour and pepperoni and now pizza boxes and a website. And to your question about guardrails, something like the website makes a huge difference for me because it gives people a place to get their questions answered. Like one of the questions I've been asked hundreds and hundreds of times is how do I get a pizza? Because this is a bizarre operation that happens in my apartment and there's no place to order and there's all of that. The website has made a huge difference because I don't get that question as much anymore. And that's a huge relief. Um, the other amazing thing that's happened with these brands is they've been willing to support the organizations that we're giving back to. And so as people might know, every single penny that comes into Good Pizza, I give away to causes that I think are making the community stronger, focusing on hunger relief and homelessness. And these big brands have now been willing to amplify the impact of our dollars by matching donations and providing their own dollars. So, you know, we just did a promotion with Hidden Valley Ranch where I've been giving out bottles of ranch dressing with every pizza and they're giving out $100 per pizza for a couple of weeks. That's a huge difference. Like that's four or $5,000 that they're giving away to the causes that we care about. You know, we're about to announce something with Hormel and the Rosa Grande brand of pepperoni where we're adding pepperoni to the menu and they're gonna make a $10,000 donation to these amazing causes. I mean, that's a huge, huge difference and a fun platform for me to be able to give back on a little bit. Wow, that is amazing such a huge difference when you are getting these partnerships to not only provide you products, but to actually put their money where their mouth is and totally. give back. Totally. Yeah. And I think it's been a slightly easier discussion with them because they're sort of reaching out and saying, you know, what can we, you know, we want to get involved somehow, like, how much would it cost that sort of thing? And it's like, well, I'm not making any money off of this. If you guys can make a big donation to the causes we care about, let's do it. Like, I'm down for whatever you guys want. You give the money away and I'm all yours. Like, let's make this happen. 
and to your question about reviews and that sort of thing, I think people have seen that and understand why I might work with a brand to, for pepperoni. And it's because they're willing to make a huge donation. And so that's totally worth it. And it's nothing that's coming to me. The only thing that's coming to me is the 50 pounds of pepperoni that I now have in my refrigerator in my apartment. <laughs> uh, and so that's been a really fun part of it. Very cool. Are you a officially a nonprofit? No, no. Um, we're not officially a nonprofit for a whole bunch of reasons. Mostly that there are requirements once you become a nonprofit in terms of paperwork and yearly fees and all of that. And I don't exactly know what this is yet. It changed very quickly in two months from a small pizza giveaway to my friends and maybe a couple other people that knew about it to this thing that has 1,200 people a week signing up for a lottery to get pizza and has raised $60,000. It's one of the reasons that I encourage people to give directly to our organizations. And, you know, I don't, because I don't do any direct service myself, meaning, I'm not actually providing services to the community other than delicious pizza, which maybe you can consider a service. But I'm just trying to support other other nonprofits that I think are really great. And so for me, this is less about creating an organization right now and more about creating a sense of community, an opportunity to brighten people's day a little bit, a chance to, you know, some hope in a lottery, like things that we need to look forward to this year more than ever. And so there hasn't been a need quite yet to incorporate, at least in, in what I'm doing in this current form. That makes a lot of sense. And so essentially, you've made the process simpler for yourself. If someone were to just replicate it, you know, they don't have to get too inundated with the paperwork or whatever. It's just find your organization, make pizza, and give back. Yeah, I'd be psyched if people replicated it. That's awesome. I I think people are and they're being inspired by you, you know, based off the comments, based off of um, just the energy that you're giving off. Blaine, um, you know, I interviewed him a couple of, of days ago, PDX Doughboy. Yeah. And he was like, you got to check this guy out. I'm going to be doing something similar. Yeah. You should too. And that's why I wanted to talk to you um, in a relatively short time because we are doing uh, the the joint giving to food insecurity. It's awesome. Right? So awesome. Yeah. This this is um you're part of that. You're I would say a lot of that stems from what you're doing and 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 also just what the world is doing, you know, making the world suck less. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that I mean that I think boils it down, right? Like every piece of it from pizza that is the best just generally <laughs> to having someone lower food that they made with love on a pulley system out of their window to trying to create some sort of Instagram branding that is just about making people smile and giving back a little bit. Like every piece of this for me has just been that it just has been about making the world suck a little bit less. And some of the most rewarding comments have been people who say like, this is what we need more of. Like imagine if, more people were able to do this thing. And I do think that the were able part of it is huge. You know, I totally recognize that there are about a thousand privileges that I have in order to be able to do something like this in the first place, starting with being a student. And so, so having some flexibility in my time to be able to do it, 
having the financial means to begin with to start this without having to charge people for pizza, which makes a big difference. Living in a second story apartment on a busy street in Philadelphia. I mean, I joke with people that if I lived across the hall and faced the alleyway in the back, none of this probably would have happened. If I lived two floors up on the fourth floor, I think it's probably unlikely I would have felt comfortable lowering pizza out the window. Like there are lots, there's lots of things involved in this that it just happened to be right time, right place. But at the end of the day, yeah, it's about making the world suck a little bit less. I think your environment definitely has a factor um, that, I mean, come on, you're dropping something from a 40, uh, it was a 40 foot drop, right? Or 40 It's a 40 foot string. It's only about a 20, 25 foot drop. So 25 foot drop, you're on a busy street. Sure. Environment definitely plays a role. I mean, when you got your apartment, you're lucky that that unit was available. <laughs> but I also sense a type of hustler mentality in you. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I mean, the way you've described it in some of the research that I've done about you was I have a hundred dollars. I can either donate that or I can turn it into five and donate that. Where does that come from? Yeah, that definitely has been a huge part of it. I mean, the hustler mentality, I, I don't know, but I do think I can be restless. I do think I like to create. I do think that this pandemic in particular made me constantly feel like I needed to do something. Um, and you know, I think looking back, I have more of a history than I probably give myself credit for of creating things like this. You know, for instance, when I was in eighth grade, I convinced my public school system to earmark me some money in a grant to the cafeteria system. And I started a chef of the month program where I convinced local chefs to come do cafeteria takeovers once a month. And they would come make their restaurant food and sell it for school lunch prices. And the idea was you could promote your restaurant and send the kids home with the flyer of your restaurant. The kids would be like, mom, I had this amazing meal at school today. Like, look at this restaurant. And they would go try your place. And so we would have these, you know, chef, I grew up in Southern Maine. We have chef from the fancy hotel on the coast come and he'd make his paella in the school kitchen and serve that for lunch. It was like so cool. And I think Oftentimes for me, it's been less a conscious decision to, to create something. It's less about me sitting down and mapping it out. What's my next thing? And more about just doing, just like making things happen, just feeling more fulfilled when I'm working with people and creating and trying to give back and trying to make things a little bit better in a whole bunch of ways. And I'm really fortunate to have been able to do that uh, through this as well. Wow. That is one of the coolest things I've ever heard of, not, <laughs> not even just like for being an eighth grader. Like I didn't even know what a grant was back then, but that's just kind of an invitation to see, um, to shed light on your line of thinking. Like let's do cool stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It was really cool. I mean, I spent the freshman year of high school like once a week, maybe once a month, I'd hop in a van with, the principal and the school, some school board members and like the health teacher. And we would go check out other school cafeterias and assess their operations, like take a bunch of notes and come back. Like, okay, so that town, we really loved that 
how they had not only the meal of the day, but they also had an opportunity for students to get some fruit at the end or like whatever it was. And there's been little things like that that I don't think I even recognize always that they're not necessarily normal things. They just have always felt like I want to put myself in positions like that and have been fortunate to be able to do so. Awesome. What shaped your interest in getting an MBA? And can I group consulting with that or should we talk about those two separately? What's up, Pizza Pals? I thought this would be the perfect time to just remind everyone that this is one of three episodes on this three-day pizza-packed weekend. So keep the pizza party going all weekend long. Also, I wanted to just take a moment to announce that I am doing a pizza pop-up to raise money for food scarcity. I'm going to be giving away free pizza. Yes, you heard it. Free pizza to those who sign up. If you can donate, it'll be greatly appreciated and that money will be going to Second Harvest Food Bank, a local nonprofit ensuring that people in the greater San Jose area stay fed, especially during these troubling times. If you can donate and try my pizza, amazing. I'd love to meet you. And if you're far away, which most of you are, if you can just donate to this cause, if you can't donate to me, donate to the other great pizzaiolos taking on this challenge. Everything, anything helps. So thank you so much for supporting me. And last but not least, remember to give that rating on Apple Podcasts. It helps so much. Now let's get back to the show. What shaped your interest in getting an MBA? And can I group consulting with that? Or should we talk about those two separately? No, we can talk about those two things together. Um, I'm going to go back a little bit. When I was in college, and to your point about creating, I started a food truck company with my best friend growing up uh, called Mamie Burgers up in Portland, Maine. And we started it during our freshman year of college together. Spent the whole year basically trying to figure out via Google how to start a company and cobbled together the money to build this food trailer that was eight feet by 16 feet with a little griddle and a refrigerator, a chest freezer, a sink, and a deep fryer. And convinced the local beach to let us take over their concession operations for the summer. And so we opened basically the day after our freshman year of college ended with the expectation that we would hire our two younger brothers and that would be enough. We would just run this fun little sandwich burger shop on the beach for the summer. It was like day one, $1,700. Oh my God, what just happened? We need to hire staff. Like, is this an actual thing? And so I ran this company with my friend for a couple of years and we grew it together to three trucks and 16 employees. And we ended up on the food network and it was amazing. It was in college, it was a seasonal business, but working on it all the time, all the time, all the time, getting back to school, trying to hustle for weddings and figuring out the next truck to build, trying to do the brand, keeping up with the Twitter, trying to get in the press, like all that stuff. And after a couple of years of it, I felt like I was ready to move on. We were getting to a size where 
we had to decide if this was going to be our career to start off with after school or if we wanted to do something else. And give my buddy a ton of credit for allowing me to move on from the business. And he still runs that amazing company and they have a place in Boston now as well. And so I sort of was like, I don't really know what I want to do next. And I have parents who are in the medical field and they had very linear paths to their professions where you go to college and then you go to medical school and then you become a doctor and you're in one place for your whole career. And I knew that wasn't my path. There was this thing about business that I was definitely going to do. But it terrified me the back and forth of people's career that they have, that there was no line that people take steps up and steps back and you move from one company to the next and you move from location to location. And not only that, but I was a political science major who had not the faintest idea of how to actually run a P&L and do accounting and corporate finance and all of these things. Which is a long-winded way of saying that consulting offered me a chance to get to know those things a little bit. You know, as an as a career out of undergrad, it was it promised me the chance to see a lot of companies, work on a lot of different problems, work with really smart people, teach me the ropes about how to use Microsoft Excel and PowerPoint and do analysis on different types of problems. And as part of that, my plan was always to go to business school. And so I graduated from undergrad in 2015 and spent three and a half years um, in consulting with a detour to do some venture work in the nonprofit space, and then applied to business school and, and knew I was going to do that at some point. Consulting for the nonprofit space, um, did that just happen to be the field that you wanted to go in? Or was that just, oh, this is the consulting firm that had an opening? So my consulting wasn't in the nonprofit space. I did some work there. I got to do a really amazing strategy project for an organization on the West Coast that does healthy eating in schools nationwide. And it was fascinating and I love them and was so honored to be able to help them with their strategy. But a lot of my work focused in life sciences, specifically patient services for rare diseases like beta thalassemia and multiple sclerosis and multiple myeloma. I did do some venture work as an extern at a venture philanthropy firm, which is a different conversation, but had a chance to start to understand um, sort of systems and how we create widespread impact versus direct impact through organizations and what nonprofit organizations need to scale. And a lot of that I think informs what I'm doing now and also how I see the world and how we create good in our communities as well, because there were some specific pillars of my venture work and nonprofit around um, education and early childhood and criminal justice reform that helped shape my understanding of how the nonprofit space intersects with the for-profit space and how that strengthens our community. Great. Thank you for connecting that because that's what I was trying to do. Essentially, you are, I think the term is um, social enterprise. Is that it's kind of the realm that you're in right now? Yeah. <laughs> I think that's probably one way to look at it. I think another way to look at it is I am in the what the hell is going on here realm and just holding <laughs> on for dear life. Oh, dear. But yeah, I think that's true. Okay. Uh, you know, you 
I'll just be quite honest. You come off like you're scared for dear life, but I also have a sense that you are very confident and know what you're doing, right? Because just listening to your experiences uh, leading up to this, it seems like you were pretty primed to be where you are right now. Well, thanks. I think I maybe I overplay the fear a little bit. I'm less, you know, there's, it's not like I feel, I don't feel nervous about this. I just think I generally feel, um, maybe sometimes confused by it all. And like I said, I, I never set out to start anything here. It started as me making pizza and then making pizza for friends and then lowering it out the window to friends because I couldn't see them in person. And then a chance to give back a little bit and turn $100 into $500. And now here I am with this platform that I'm so thankful for, but never set out to create. And I, I take your compliment and thank you for that, for sure. And it's it's been a blast. But I think there's always this like, oh my God, this happened so quickly. And I just want to make the most of it more than anything. I think that's where the fear comes from is just wanting to take advantage of this incredibly fortunate thing that happened to me. Yeah, I definitely meant for it to be a compliment. Like you got this, right? Um, I also want to know more about your experience. Like how does it, how has your life changed? I mean- right? Maybe some of the bigger or smaller things that you want to share. Like you have a huge platform, kind of this responsibility to do more good. What's new? I mean, there are small things like at least once a day, I look out the window and there are people taking pictures of my apartment. Those things are, those things are weird and will continue (laughs) to be weird for sure. Like it is very weird to look out the window because you've been inside on your computer all day and make eye contact with someone who clearly knows who you are and was waiting to see you in your window. Like that part is weird. Um, It also has just been a change to have this platform. Like it, I think I feel a lot of responsibility to it and I just wanna make people smile through it and I wanna continue to make pizza that people seem to enjoy. And you know, the day-to-day of my life has changed because (laughs) <laughs> there's this additional thing in it, like making pizza and following up on Instagram and the emails. And it takes a lot of time to sign one of these brand partnerships and try to do press that I think is really great and care about and spread the word a little bit about what I'm doing. You know, I don't feel any different, but this certainly takes up a lot of brain space that I didn't expect to be part of my graduate school experience. I can see that. And I want to commend you for taking on this huge task while getting an MBA, like, you know, some people, not to compare you with anyone, but just an MBA in itself is a, a great undertaking. And you are running this great project organization, social enterprise. I'm sorry, I don't know what to call it, but you're I don't either. this it's great fine. thing. <laughs> <laughs> Talk to me more about your daily life, because that seems interesting. I'm sorry, not daily life per se, but the kind of the way you split your time up for for good pizza you say you're writing emails um you're compartmentalizing things right but you know how are you splitting it up and lead me up to to the sunday drop if you could sure totally so i think a good example is you know today's a wednesday which is like usually my last day of the week before things start to get crazy because tomorrow dough starts and then there's like this whole three-day thing so you know a day like today i'm up 
walk over to campus, which is about 20 minutes to get COVID tested, which happens once a week, come back, get a quick workout in, catch up on the news, finish my homework for classes this afternoon. I have two or three classes a day. You know, Tuesdays are my long day for class. I have one in the morning, uh, two in the afternoon, including a 3.30 class. I mean, a 3.30 to seven class. So I don't, I don't get out until late. Um, and so my days are just this stacking of activities to get through a to-do list from, you know, today's Wednesday, this afternoon, I have uh, a marketing course and a macroeconomics course. My work is finished for that. But after we get off the call here, I have an hour and a half where I need to sneak in some lunch, some good pizza emails, I'm one of the co-chairs for the Wharton Healthcare Business Conference that happens in two weeks. And that's been really crazy. I'm a teaching fellow in the communications program and I have class tomorrow for that. And so I need to get prepared for that. Wrap up class, finish homework tonight, try to make sure all the good pizza stuff is set. And then tomorrow I wake up Thursday and it's like, gotta get flour, gotta make dough sometime in between classes to get that fermenting for Sunday. In between there's 10.30 class and there's 1.30 class. So it's just this constant trying to squeeze things in, in between. I do think I'm generally pretty organized, but my day-to-day -day life now just looks like this chaos that I'm trying to bring some order to because there's all these really disparate things going on. We're like, there's marketing homework that needs to get done with a group project. And then there's reading for managerial decision-making that needs to get done before class because if I get cold called, it's not gonna go well. And I need to find an hour to make dough in between for Sunday and update the Instagram and the website needs some attention and that sort of thing. And it's just about stacking those things and getting through it every day. Wow. You, <laughs> I just keep hearing the voice of uh, Derek Sanchez, who I interviewed for Mia Marco's pizza. He calls himself a busy turd. <laughs> <And> <laughs> you are not a turd, but you are a busy, busy person. I like that. I like that. Cool. I'm glad it wasn't offensive. No. I wanted to ask a favor of you, and if you could just consult me for free, obviously, but for my first kind of pizza drop to be able to uh, donate, right? Um, I'm waiting till uh, the maybe the last Sunday to do my um, my my pizza pop-up drop. I don't know if I'm doing it from my home, um, but help me out. Help me uh, kind of work through some things. Yeah, let's do it. I think one of the reasons that I sometimes am uncomfortable with me being at the center of this is because I think people assume that I've figured something out and had some master plan to develop this when that wasn't actually the case. And so my first piece of advice is like there is no secret. It is literally making pizza and inviting people to eat it and asking them that if they feel at all inspired by what's happening, that they consider supporting the causes that you care about, right? Like that's it in a nutshell. And as we've <laughs> talked about, there's all these other things that go into it behind the scenes, right? Like all the, there's the pizza making. And then on Saturday, I got to make sauce and I'm going to buy these ingredients and I need to fold these boxes and I'm writing notes on every box to hopefully make people smile. But at the end of the day, as we discussed, it's about making the world suck less. And my avenue for doing that was quite literally making pizza, giving away for free and saying, if you feel at all inspired, there's absolutely no requirement. But if this at all made your day a little bit better and you feel like it's making the world a little bit better, 
it would be amazing if you gave a little bit of money to these causes. You can give it through me. You can give it directly to them. You can tell your friends to give instead of you. Like it does not matter to me and I will not check to see if you're doing it. But that's it, right? Like the, the infrastructure is nothing. The infrastructure is I'm making pizza on Sunday. I would love to give it to you. And if you would like to give some money to these causes that I care about, that would be great as well. <sighs> Going back to it all, it's just so simple the way you put it. And I think it has to be simple because it's so genuine. There's really nothing else. There's no, you know, this is what I'm doing behind the scenes. No, it's just give, give, give. Totally. I mean, it's, I'm, I'm making 20 pizzas per week and lowering them out my window and hoping that people see it and smile and decide to give a little bit of money to causes that I think are making an impact in the community. And, you know, we've talked about all the things that go into that. And it certainly has been an extremely busy time, but the idea itself and how it works is incredibly, incredibly simple. So I don't have to be scared. No, I do enough of that for everyone. There's no, <laughs> need, no need for you to. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. No, you just got me thinking it, it, it's going to be fun. It's going to be super easy. Just tell people you're giving away free pizza and make the donation. Don't do it through me. If you don't want, give it to your favorite org. That's it. Totally. Yeah. People will sometimes get selected for a pizza drop in the lottery and they'll email. Hey, like we don't have Venmo. We were thinking we could give to XYZ organization up where near we live that we care about. It's like, awesome. That do sounds it. amazing. I would love that. Like, go for it. You make it so easy. I love that. And it's, it's, it's frictionless. People love, you know, uh, a simple way to do things. And I think you've made it easy to give back, to spread joy, to, to taste good pizza and to support good causes. So great. Job. All right. Well, let's talk about logistics though a little bit. Cause I, okay. I, you know, I'm simplifying things, but there is some that goes into this. Please. So for instance, for a long time, it was just me texting my friends and maybe sending an email. I had like a small email list of people that had said they were interested in what I was doing. And I would email them and basically put the pizzas up and you could just snag a time. Now I have to do it through this lottery system, which is totally crazy. And so the way I do it is on Fridays on Instagram at Good Pizza PHL, I post the lottery link and anyone can enter the lottery for 24 hours. Recently, there's been about 1,200 people that sign up for this lottery, which is totally insane for the 20 pizzas. And then on Saturday, I randomly select 20 and those people get an email. And this is where the logistics start to come in a little bit. So once you have your 20 people that you know, I set up an online form for them to select their pickup time. And because I'm baking in just my home electric oven, I can only make two at once really. And it's what I've realized is the best way to space this out is to do so my pickup times will be 6 p.m. and then 6.05 p.m. and that'll be a block of pizzas. And then 15 minutes later, 6.20 and 6.25 p.m. And then 15 minutes later, 6.40 and 6.45 p.m. And that just goes on until all my 20 pizzas are gone. And so what that does is it allows me to pop a pizza in, you know, for the six o'clock, I try to make that at 5.50, it goes in the oven for eight minutes, it's ready right at six when someone gets here. As soon as I put that one in the oven, it gives me five minutes to make the other one. And then at six, while the first one's finishing up, I have a chance to drop the 6 p.m. out the window to the person who knows they're picking up right at 6 p.m. I can go get the 6.05 out, and then I have a clean slate to start the next two pies. 
And so because it's just me spacing it out like that gives my oven the time that it needs to recover. It allows me to take dough out of my fridge continuously during the night. So I try to take, you know, a new set of doughs out every 30 minutes so that it's at the right temperature, right? Like there is some logistics behind it that I've learned in order to get all the pizza out, making all the pizza boxes ahead of time, the setup in my kitchen to just streamline it, to get it out to folks on time. Okay. That's important. I'm glad we went into that. Do you ever feel like you're rushing or have to talk to somebody where it throws off your time? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. All the time. It happens one of, one of two ways. The first is, you know, I try, I want to greet everyone. I want to say, thank you, say hello. And sometimes they have a story that they want to share, or, you know, there's something that we want to talk about for a few minutes. Um, fortunately it's only about 15 feet from the window to the oven. And so worst case scenario, I'm like, hold on, like, I'll be right back. I have to take this pizza out of the oven. And people are generally okay with that. The other time that it will happen is um, like someone's late for their pizza to pick it up. And so you end up having this, you know, uh, the pizza is going to be ready at six. And if you don't show up at six, I'm sorry, I can't make you a fresh one. Like that pizza is still yours because there's more people coming in the next 15 minutes and there's only one oven and there's only one making one person making it. But sometimes someone will come 15 minutes late. It's like, hey, I'm here to get my pizza. And I'm in the middle of making the pizza for the next set. And so that can sometimes be a little bit difficult to deal with. If everyone shows up at their time, though, it can be a really smooth night. Yes, 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 yes. Great, great advice. And just on talking to people, I mean, there's really only so much you can say when you're talking to someone <laughs> who is two levels above and you're talking yes. down, right? Yes, okay, good. <laughs> you've, you've simplified that. Um, any tools or pieces of technology that you rely on for your bakes? Okay, I've been debating if I should admit this <laughs> because I know it's sort of sacrilege. Oh gosh. But one thing that has made my life infinitely easier in the last two weeks is I've started to use parchment paper again to bake on. It has made such a massive difference because with 20 pizzas and using flour and semolina to on your peel, the buildup just can sometimes get um, really difficult in a home oven. Like there's nowhere to put it. If you wipe it off your steel, it goes onto the oven floor and it just immediately smokes. And there were just a few weeks where I would try to clean it off in between and my fire, my smoke alarm would go off every single time because the commercial ovens have a place to collect that burnt off flour that does not just go into smoke. Your home oven doesn't. And so for the last three weeks, I've been using parchment for the first half of the bake just to get it on and off the peel and not have to use much flour and semolina. And it has made my life infinitely easier. And I was thinking this morning, like I'm going on a real pizza podcast. Like, should I admit this? But since you're asking, it has made such a big difference. Oh my goodness. I think you have just released a true gem as like, as what I like to call it, because that prevents a lot, a lot of F-ups. Yes right? Nobody likes the taste of burnt flour and you do not have time to be fanning away your smoke alarm during a bake. Oh yeah. Three weeks ago, I, <laughs> the smoke was like crazy. I don't even know what happened. The smoke alarm was just going off like crazy. I'm fanning it. I went back to the oven to try to turn it down a little bit. 
accidentally push the steam clean button on my oven. It turns out the only way to turn the steam clean function off is to shut your whole circuit breaker off. So I'm like searching for my circuit breaker in my apartment in the back of my closet and trying to shut my oven down. There's like a pizza in the oven that I have to scrap for the next person. Like it, 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 yeah, it's, it's crazy. I feel like a lot of home bakers, a lot of pizza makers have been in your shoes and it's not fun. No, no, not at all. It's made cleanup so much easier. It, it, it just, uh, it's, it's, I know it's sort of sacrilege. I know, I know I'm giving up probably a tiny bit of crust. Like there's some, there's, it's not quite the same. Like that first few pizzas that you make when it's just perfect flour and semolina on the bottom, like that texture, like everything about it's awesome. But it has made my life so much easier. I do think the average pizza now is actually better because the last few usually have that burnt up flour on it. And now it doesn't have that. And so <laughs> that's my secret tip that I'm now saying, I'm telling everyone. But You know, I'm going to put that in the marketing. I have to. <laughs> oh, God. I honestly think I'm, I'm impressed by that because like you said, you know, the first couple of pizzas are going to get that amazing crust if you use flour, but then the last few pizzas at the end of the day aren't going to taste as good. And you hear it from the pros. Scott's Pizza Tours will also will always say, I only want to go to this pizza restaurant on Tuesday because this pizza maker is going. Or if you go at 2 p.m., it's better because the dough is fresh versus at 8 p.m. That's just the reality of it. Yeah. At the end of the day, you've solved the problem of inconsistent pizzas. And all I have to say is do you. <laughs> Thanks. I mean, if I'm going to make like three or four pizzas just for my girlfriend and me on a Sunday night, I'm not going to use parchment. But if I have to crank out 2025 on a Sunday for a drop, I'm swallowing my pride here because it's making things way easier. Awesome. Is there anything else that you want to share with me before we move on? Let's see about actual pizza drops. No, like it just should be fun. Like it, there are times when I get stressed and there are fortunately people in my life to remind me this is just a fun, good thing that's happening and I should just turn music on. And if people have to wait a minute, they're going to be okay with it. And reminding me that they're not expecting pizza from Defaras, like they're, they're going to be impressed because it's coming out of a home oven. Like I, I, and it's taken, it's taken me some time just to be okay with all of that and know that this is about making people smile. And, and I think going in with that mindset and just having fun with it and greeting people and turning the music up and having a good time with all of it, that makes a big difference. I don't know if people could hear this, but that was such, that I gave off like this huge sigh of relief because I am so stressed, not so stressed out. Like I do hit like a, a groove at some points, but then yeah. I do get super stressed out when I, whenever I do like eight to 10 pizzas. And I think yeah. what you just said was very, very comforting. So thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I want to make sure we wrap up on time. So I do have one more question for you before we close out. I know you're a busy guy, so I got to give you time to be able to get lunch. And I want you to know that I ask every, I try to ask everyone this. What is one mistake people can avoid in the pizza business? Okay, I'm going to take this from a like home pizza standpoint. I think one mistake that people can avoid is trying specifically to replicate some pizza that they like rather than 
finding a way to make pizza that is delicious to them in whatever form that takes. When I started making pizza, I spent hours in online forums trying to find someone who had cracked the code to Lucali's dough and had posted the exact dough recipe and I would be able to recreate it at home. And I think the question that I get most often on Instagram that I'm unable to answer is, can you share your dough recipe? And there's like a few reasons why I don't want to share the recipe. One is it's mine and that's all I have here. Like that's one of the only differentiators and I want to help you make good pizza, but I'm not, I, I'm not just saying, oh yeah, like I use this recipe. It's going to go great. Like this is something that I've worked really hard on to create. The other reason is that dough creation is 75% of the fun of making pizza is like experimenting with it and making one that you're like, this one is not good. What happened here? And then making one the next week, you're like, this is amazing. And then replicating it the next week and it comes out totally different. And you're like, what happened? I did everything the same, right? Like what people can avoid doing is don't try to be that pizzeria that you love because you're not gonna be able to do it at home. And this is so much more about the process and about making something that's delicious and screwing up a pizza and dropping the whole thing on your peel and having to clean it up. Like those are the things that I actually remember from all of this. Um, and it makes the, it makes the pizzas that come out looking perfect that much more fun too. It's like, Oh yes, I did it. Right. Like that's part of the fun. So the advice is don't try to recreate something that you like, like try to create something that brings you joy and enjoy that process because skipping to the final, to the final level, like just immediately getting a recipe and just going with it and deciding there's nothing else. That's not as much fun. I love that. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. What do you want to leave the audience with before we wrap up here? What's been so cool about good pizza for me is that, you know, to our discussion about how simple it is, it, it quite truly is about turning a hobby into an avenue for giving back a little bit for making people smile, for strengthening my community, for directly directing dollars to organizations that are making a difference. So what I'd love to leave people with is to find their way to do that. Like if you're feeling like you have an opportunity to turn your knitting or your bread making or your pizza making or whatever it is into a chance to make a neighbor smile or raise dollars for a charity that you care about, I say do it. I think we need things like that more than ever. We need people going out of their way to support their neighbors and their friends and people that they've never met. Um, and I think I'm a testament to how far that can go without meaning to create something. Great. This is a perfect place to end. Ben, thank you so much for being on the show today. You warmed my heart. I'm sure you're going to warm every listener's heart and you're going to continue to do that and make the world suck less. So thank you for sharing your story with me. Oh, that's so nice. Thank you so much for having me. This was, this was a blast. Awesome. We'll talk soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Ben, thank you so, so much for shedding light on and inspiring us on what you do. You've definitely inspired me to give more, to simplify things, and I hope people can take this lesson and replicate it in their city. Thanks, Ben to you, the listener. Come on. Wasn't that great? I mean, 
don't you feel all good inside? Because I sure do. If you enjoy the show, if you got any bit of value from it, please, 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 please consider making a donation to one of Ben's favorite nonprofits. And definitely check out his website and even at the very least, check him out on IG. All of the links and socials are going to be listed in the show notes. Other than that, thank you so much for tuning in. Remember, I'll see you soon. Till then, peace.